Welcome to Matanzerus, a baseball podcast. I'm Ryan Medeiros here alongside Max Tanzer. We have a special episode for you guys tonight, the last episode of 2020. Max and I are going to be doing some trivia, but first, let's get to some off-season news. We started off the week with Tommy Canely and Matt Andrissi signing with the Dodgers and the Red Sox, respectively. And then we got a big Christmas Eve trade, Josh Bell to the Nationals. And then on Christmas Day, we heard about Kohei Arihara heading to the Rangers. So Max, let's start out with the two reliever signings. Uh, Tommy Canely signed with the Dodgers for two years, $4.2 million. Kind of a high-risk, uh, high-reward type guy. I want to hear your thoughts on him. Yeah, I've loved Tommy Canely in the past. I think he's such a dependable arm in the bullpen. And honestly, it was undershadowed when he was with the Yankees just because of how dominant their bullpens were the last few years. He only threw one inning last year, and obviously is going to be recovering from that as well. But I still think it's a good move for the Dodgers, especially if they lose out on Blake Tryon, just trying to build that bullpen depth back, uh, adding Knable this offseason as well. If you look at 2019, here for Canely, 3.670 ERA and 61 and one-third of an innings pitched. Uh, the year before that was a little bit rough in 23 innings, so health can be an issue for him, but if he's on his game, it works well. And as you said, it's only a couple million dollars, so the Dodgers can afford that. I think this is a good move for them. I like it, and it helps give them more depth in their bullpen for sure. Yeah, and like I said earlier, high risk, high reward. You mentioned the injury, and Canely has been a guy who struggled with arm health throughout his career, but when he's on the mound consistently, he is very good. Has a ton of swing and miss stuff, 88 strikeouts and 61 in the third innings in 2019, as you mentioned, a very solid season. But uh, yeah, the Dodgers already have a pretty solid bullpen. They have Jansen at the back end. Uh, uh, they're going to be hoping to get some guys to set him up. And, you know, when you have as much money as the Dodgers, you really can't go wrong with one of these high reward guys, even if he is high risk, just because you have so much other talent around him. So I think it's a good move for them. I know the Red Sox finished second uh, to the Dodgers uh, in the Canely sweepstakes, which I think it makes more sense for Canely to go to a team like the Dodgers, who already have some dependable guys, whereas the Red Sox whole bullpen was kind of a mess last year. They already have some uh, high-risk guys there that they're going to be hopefully relying on, but uh, they ended up with a pretty solid guy. Yeah, and I like this move too for Canely himself because while there is pressure in a way because the Dodgers are a very good team and the expectations are high, because they have the depth and the flexibility in their bullpen, it doesn't put as much pressure on him to be a high performer at the back end. I mean, even other guys, Victor Gonzalez was very good in the postseason last year, uh, Gratterall, who of course is has future closer written all over him. So there's plenty of guys that they can rely on just in case Canley needs to groove into it a little bit more, slow it down, maybe pitch in some low-pressure situations, which is, I think, a good spot for him and where he's at in his recovery process. But not only that, will be on a World Series contender too. So it's a good move for him himself for sure. Yeah, what I was kind of alluding to with the Red Sox there is while they missed out uh, on the Canley sweepstakes, they ended up with a pretty solid reliever of their own in Matt Andrees. Um, he previously pitched with the Angels, and he pitched a little bit with Tampa a few years ago, so you can see the Kime Bloom connection there. But uh, this is a guy who, you know, can be a starter, he can be a swing man, he can be a full-time reliever. Um, he was good in flashes out of the bullpen for the Angels last year, so the Red Sox really at this point are looking for any sort of reliability out of their pitching staff, and I think that's something that Andres, Andres can bring to the table. 
no doubt. And it's so funny because you and I were having a little Twitter debate about our bullpens because the Mariners, the Red Sox, both of our teams have had had notoriously some of the worst bullpens in Major League Baseball last season. The Mariners last in a war. Uh, the Red Sox, I think, were fourth last in war in all of Major League Baseball that season. And I was talking about Jerry was making moves left and right to bring in relievers in. And I've had it done too much yet, but he brings in Andrews, so I think is another dependable arm. Again, he's not going to jump off the page to you, but is that necessarily what the Red Sox need right now? Maybe not, but the depth is important. Having a guy you could throw in the sixth, seventh inning too to set up your other guys is really important too. I mean, looking at his numbers last year in 32 innings, struck out 33 batters with a 4-5 ERA. The year before that too, 79 strikeouts and 70 and two-thirds as well. So he gets it done a pretty, a slightly above average K rate too. So I think he's a good, solid arm for the Red Sox this year. Yeah, and I just want to mention something. When I was looking into Andres' stats a little bit more, when I heard the Red Sox signed him, obviously being a Red Sox fan myself, I wanted to learn a little bit more about him. And, um, you know, that 4-5 ERA last year is a little bit deceiving because four of those runs he gave up were in his one start. Out of the bullpen, he was extremely solid uh, the whole season. So I think that's where the Red Sox are pretty much going to use him. They talked a little bit about using him out of the starting rotation, but I would have to imagine they're going to acquire an arm or two to help bolster their rotation. Yeah, and even if you go back to 2019, adding on to that, he had a 4.71 ERA with the Diamondbacks, which of course is not sexy by any means, but the FIP uh, was at 3.72. So obviously he has stuff, and I think you could look at that track record a little bit differently here and not let the ERA jump out at you and really uh, take over how you're going to evaluate him coming into this season. Yep, and another big news, uh, really you could say bigger news than any of these two deals, but Josh Bell was traded from the Pirates to the Nationals on Christmas Eve. It was a nice little uh, holiday surprise for Nationals fans. They get um, an above-average bat to complement Juan Soto and Trey Turner. They really had a huge hole at uh, first base last season with Howie Kendrick, Ryan Zimmerman, both those guys getting a little playing time. Zimmerman now being a free agent, Kendrick now retired. Uh, so they had a big hole to fill there, and Bell is one of those high upside guys. He had a massive season in 2019 in which he participated in the All-Star Game, the Home Run Derby, and was really a star over in Pittsburgh, one of the few bright spots on uh, their team, which didn't have much glamour at all in the 2019 season. He took a step back this year, but you'd have to imagine that the Nationals are going to be hoping for the guy they saw in 2019. Yeah, and I think another guy they had over there was Eric Thames, too, who they've, of course, lost and underperformed last season, too. So like you said, they're trying to get this bounce-back season from him this year. For the Pirates, I don't think the return is you know too enticing right now. Obviously, his worth is not as high as it was after 2019. But Josh Bell gets an opportunity to play for a team who intends to compete. Maybe it's not, you know, the biggest powerhouse team in that division when we see what the, you know, the Braves and the Mets are doing right now. But still a good power bat from the – or he's a switch hitter, so that, that helps you in both aspects. I looked at his stats uh, at Nationals Park as well as an OPS above 900 there. Garnered a small sample size, but you got to imagine he likes to hit there. And hopefully he can have a bounce-back season to be a really, really dependable bat in the middle of the lineup for the Nats this season. Yeah, and to bring back some of those stats we saw in his all-star season in 2019, uh, he really broke out in a big way. 936 OPS, 37 home runs, 37 doubles, and added in three triples. So a huge extra base machine there. Uh, Took a step back, like I said, in the 2020 season with only a 669 OPS. But if you're the Nationals, it's, it's kind of one of those things where do you weigh more what he did in the full season in 2019, or do you take into account that step back in the 2020 season in a limited sample size? So it'll be interesting to see how he performs in a hopefully what, if we get a full season in 2021. Yeah, and if you look from 
when he debuted in 2016 up until 19. He was constantly getting better, always above average in terms of OPS plus, up to as high as 142 in 19. He was ranging from 108 to 111 from 16 to 18. Uh, so good numbers. Again, like you said, you have to imagine he's going to bounce back here, and he's always been a very productive player. So you got And he's only going into his 28-age season, so I think he can only get better. He's entering that prime. I'm not expecting MVP numbers from him, but I do think he could still bounce back and be a potential all-star next season. Yeah, even if the Nationals get him as an above-average bat, that's an improvement from anything they had last year outside of Soto and Turner. You mentioned the return uh, the Pirates got. They got pitching prospects, Will Crow. Uh, Crow isn't quite a pitching prospect at this stage. He's 27 years old, so he's probably going to be one of those guys who's kind of filling out the Pirates' major league rotation. He'll still contribute at the big league level, you'd have to hope if you're a Pirates fan. And uh, Eddie Yeen steps in as Pittsburgh's number seven prospect as a pitcher as well. So if you're a Pirates fan, he's only 19 years old. you got to hope down the road maybe you end up winning this trade if he ends up be, uh, becoming a, an above-average big league pitcher, even better. You never know what you're getting sometimes with these 19-year-old prospects. But uh, anything at this stage is an improvement in the minor leagues for the Pirates, uh, a team that's not ready to compete right now at the big league level. So, um Speaking of pitching depth, I'll move on to our final move before we get to the moment you guys have all been waiting for, the trivia. But the last move we're going to discuss is Kohei Arihara heading to the Rangers, coming over from Japan for two years, $6.2 million. Kind of a, another guy like Bell, who's had some ups and downs in his career over the past few seasons. Uh, Arihara had a, one very good season um, not too long ago in 2019 and then took a little bit of a step back in 2020. He's kind of had a mixed bag of results, uh, winning the Rookie of the Year award in Japan uh, a few seasons ago and then having two really bad seasons with an ERA over five. Uh, it's kind of interesting here for the Rangers, who really just need any sort of pitching at this point, so you'd have to imagine that's what they were looking for. Arihara obviously uh, threw over 100 innings with over in Japan because they didn't have the shortened season, so if you're the Rangers, you'd have to imagine they're just looking for somebody to throw some innings at this point. Not that Arihara can't be an above-average pitcher. I just don't know, based on his results in Japan, he's a little bit of an uncertainty in that realm. No doubt. And I, I don't think this is, you know, like a Mas Masahiro Tanaka-type guy coming over here to the States. But I think, like you said, he provides sort of a backbone. I talked about it about Chris Flexen, the Mariners, a couple weeks ago coming over from Korea through 132 innings last season in Japan. So you have that reliability for a guy to eat some innings where you get deep into the ball games to rest the other guys. You know, and then the Rangers adding Dane Dunning this offseason as well. You got two pretty decent starters in your hands right now. Uh, Chris Young been very aggressive ever since he took the job with the Rangers a few weeks ago. You got to like it again. I just like you don't expect him to jump out and be the superstar pitcher, you know, by any means. But, you know, the numbers have been good at times over in Japan. A 246 ERA in 2019 in 164 innings. Uh, and then it jumps up to 488470 back in 2018 as well. So it's fluctuated a lot. We don't quite know what to expect. And definitely gets harder when you go over to America and play Major League Baseball. But. We'll see how it works, and he gets an opportunity to work on stuff because it's a big transition period. You're coming over from Japan to the United States. You know, it's a different culture and so forth. You're coming over at a difficult time during the COVID-19 pandemic. There's going to be a lot going on for him right now in this transition. To go to a team in the Rangers that don't have high expectations, I think will help him settle in a lot more. Yeah, no doubt about that. And now for the moment you guys have all been waiting for, Max and I are going to be doing a little trivia competition uh, we're wrapping up the year with our final episode of 2020, so we're going to be doing some 2020 trivia, and we're starting off with some 2020 off-season trivia. I know Max is going to be keeping score here, so I'm relying on him to keep an accurate and fair score. <laughs> I'll try my best. 
So, you ready to go? I'll start whenever you're set. I'm writing our names down on the piece of paper, and we are ready to go. All right, and no researching on the computer. I can I'm hear not. It. We I can have, hear we're on a you're... FaceTime call. We're on a FaceTime call. Don't worry. And I can hear if you're typing away, too. So we're starting out. We're going to be doing um, 10 rounds here. Max will be, will be giving me five rounds of questions. I'll be giving him five rounds of questions. Each round has three levels of uh, difficulty. We're going to be doing an easy question, a medium question, and a hard question. And um, each, you know, it corresponds in points. So easy will be worth one, medium two, and hard three. So now that you guys got the rundown there, we'll get into the questions. Starting off, I'm going to be doing some 2020 off-season questions. And this is the first half of the off-season. So way back in January and February, March, uh, some free agent type questions. So the first question is the easy one, Max. On January 22nd, this former Mariners pitcher signed with the Atlanta Braves to compete for a spot in the starting rotation. My boy, my man, Felix Hernandez. That is correct. So that's one point for you right off the bat. I'll take it. I'll take it. I have a feeling these are going to get hard. We'll see. We'll see. This All is right. a long time ago. January, you know, this year has been so long. Absolutely. And heading into the medium question now. After receiving an NL MVP vote the previous season, this player signed with the Red Sox on February 2nd. MVP vote signing with the Red Sox. Oh, goodness. Okay. But yeah, you're giving me the Red Sox. Um, I'm just going through their depth chart right now. Uh, Benatendi, Bradley, Verdugo, but obviously there's a trade. Moreland at first base. Um, you got to pick it up. Uh, um, how much time do I have left? I think you're just about run out, Max. I think I might have to give a you the shame. answer at this point. And you're going to be disappointed with yourself. It's a little bit of a trick question. Kevin Pillar received yes, an MVP you're right. vote. I, oh, my goodness. Okay. You're right. I love, I, love the, I love the question, though. Yes, I remember that. Okay. All okay. Right. Well, you, you missed the medium one, so let's see if you can get the hard one now. The first significant free agent signing of 2020 was made by the Washington Nationals on January 3rd. This player signed the deal for three years, $24 million. Three years, $24 million. Patrick Corbin. No, no I'm wait, sorry. No, no, that, is... that, that was too cheap for Patrick Corbin, but okay. All right. That All is right. incorrect. Wait, wait. Uh, that Pat, I'm an idiot. Patrick Corbin signed going into 2019. Okay. Yeah, that okay. was a t Oh, man. Will Harris was the correct answer. Good, they yeah. helped bolster the bullpen. So I was, I was debating. That's why we have the hard question. But now I'm a little nervous for what you're going to give me in the spring training one here. All right. So we got spring training, a very, very difficult uh, round right here for you because such a long time ago, so much going on at that time was cut in half. But let's start out with question number one. This team was under the spotlight this spring after they made big acquisitions and tied for the Cactus League lead with 13 wins. Who are they? Big acquisitions. I'm trying to think of a team that signed multiple big free agents. I'm going to say the Cincinnati Reds. It's not the Cincinnati Reds. It's the Los Angeles Dodgers bringing in Mookie Betts. And ah, yeah, that's a, that's a good one, though. Okay. All right, next one. Who had the least amount of wins this season in all of baseball this spring, leading to what was a very similar regular season? Man, I'm thinking the least amount of wins. Well, the team that was just terrible this season was the uh, Pittsburgh Pirates. I'm going to say more of the same in spring training. 
That is correct. And you get two points on that one. So you take the lead on me two to one. So let's head to this final one right here. A little bit of a familiar one for you. Your Red Sox had a starter on their team this spring who led all of baseball with 20 strikeouts in which he pitched 11 innings this spring. Who is he? Oh, man. I'm trying to think of someone who, like, who lit up on the starting spot. Oh, man. That's tough. That's why we got the hard questions. Let me think a little bit. I won't I won't think too long so our viewers aren't aren't sitting here, but hmm. Oh man. That's brutal. Oh. Alright, I'm I'm gonna go out here and just say uh say let, let's just throw out Evaldi. I know it's not, but I'm just this was a tough up. question. This was a tough question, and that's why I put it here as my last I'm going to know it after you say it. But. He didn't pitch this entire regular season. It was Eduardo Rodriguez with 20 strikeouts in ah, those 11 okay. innings. So that's why yeah, it was I a little bit tougher. Sure. All right, so with that, you still have the lead. It's 2-1 to one here as we enter round two. What do you got for me? The opening day one. So opening day was delayed, as you mentioned. Spring training was kind of cut short. So opening day, July 23rd, you kind of almost say opening night. Of course, I missed the first or the first couple innings of the season as I was out umpiring, much to my chagrin. But um, <laughs> I let's was head off. A baseball game. So. There you go. Yeah, we go. We both kind of missed out, even though you had the game on your phone. We won't <laughs> we won't share too much about that. But <laughs> all right, all right. So you should know this then. I know you were watching, even if you were doing something else at the time. Well, it was but... in the corner of my eye. But okay. All right. There you go. All right. Let's see if you were paying close enough attention. Easy point here. In the first game of the delayed Major League Baseball season, Giancarlo Stanton hit the first home run of the season on opening day. Soon after, this player followed suit with a blast of his own Adam in the Eaton. bottom of the first. There you go. That was an easy one there. All right. There. All right. I'll take it. One, one more point. All right. I'm, I'm 100% on the easy ones. I'll take that. There you go. Medium now. We, we, we're going up. We're going up a notch here. Due to DJ LeMahieu's positive coronavirus test, this Yankees player started in his place on opening night and reached base twice, including a bunt base hit. Tyler Wade. There you go. There you go. He's on a roll now. Okay. Whew. All right. The heart's pounded. Can I go for a sweep? Let's see if you can get the late night one. Giants, Dodgers. This player started at first base and batted third for the Giants in their matchup against the Dodgers on opening night be too easy if it was Brandon Belt, so I can't imagine it's him. Um, I have him in my head. Big, big right-handed hitter. Um, not the most athletic-looking guy, but I can't remember his name. That's who I'm imagining in my head right now. Man, I'm giving you bang-bang responses. You're taking your sweet You're right. time I'll, I'll, here. You're right. I'll pass it up. I lost. So you were thinking of Darren Ruff, which yes, would have been incorrect. Yes, that's who I was thinking of. That I was incorrect. Oh, that was incorrect. Okay. Oh, okay. Pablo Sandoval. Oh, Pablo. The okay. panda. Okay. Yeah, that's disappointing. All right. My question's for you. This is themed for midseason, so a lot of trade talk here. The trade deadline obviously still going on. Number one, this Diamondbacks outfielder was sent over to the Marlins to bolster their offense. Who was he? That is Starling Marte. Nice softball question there. That is correct. One point on the board here for Ryan in this round. The next one. On the day of the deadline, the Mets brought back a familiar face after acquiring this player for his second stint with the club. Who is he? Man, that's interesting. I wanna, I'm thinking, I'm thinking relievers. Um, okay. Oh, not the right direction, I'll tell you that. Okay, not the right direction. Okay, ah, oh, yeah, tough. 
Uh, no, I, I almost I almost said a wrong name. <laughs> oh no. You were close. Uh, oh no, Todd Frazier. Todd yes, Frazier. It was Todd there we Frazier. go. Was that okay. You were okay. gonna say the first time? I was. I was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then I, I almost second guessed myself, but all right. Yes, two years with the Mets in 18 and 19, if I'm correct there, and then coming back this year. All right, the last one. I gave you a Red Sox-themed one for round one. I'm giving you a Mariners-themed one for round two. And what was one of the more crazier trades this deadline? The Mariners acquired Andres Munoz, Ty France, Taylor Trammell, and one more player in exchange for a package that included Austin Nola, Dan Altavilla, and Austin Adams. Can you name that final player? Again, the Mariners acquired Andres Munoz, Ty France, and Taylor Trammell. Who's the final player in that mix? Uh, that was the catcher, Luis Torrens. All right, there we go. A good round for you there. A sweep. You earned six points. That's now seven points for you in total right here. All right, let's move on. What do you got for me? All right, let's move on here. We're heading to the playoffs now, wild card round. I'm going to throw you up an easy one now. First question, this team was unable to score a run in the wild card series as they were swept by the Atlanta Braves. The Reds. There you go. If you didn't get that one wrong, that would have been a bad start. Or I mean, if you didn't get that one right, rather. All right, medium. This White Sox starter was pulled after just two-thirds of an inning in game three of the wild card series against the A's. Dane Dunning. There you go. All right. Hard now. I'd be, uh, it, it, this is doable. Who recor recorded the final out of the entire wild card round? Oh, God. Okay, so this had to be, oh, Trevor Rosenthal. Cardinals, there you go. Cardinals, Padres. Using... That, that was a hard one, but okay. I remember that because it was the late game. All right, I got a sweep. Wow, okay. All right, it's time for the division series now. Game five of the ALDS between the Yankees and the Rays is one of the most enticing matchups this entire postseason. Can you name me the two starting pitchers? two starting pitchers and we went over this one uh we had our big game five preview i want to say i want to say oh man no i can't botch this one it's got to be i, I want to say the two obvious names that pop into my head are glass now and cole wait 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 that is correct yes that is because i did that one i did the tweet recap on this one if you guys follow me on twitter you would have known that i can't believe it took me that long to get that but yes i'm that is the answer. That is correct. Well, he did not go too deep. It was Tyler Glass now on short rest against Garrett Cole, in which the Rays would win. All right, one point for you on the board there, round number two. This Atlanta Braves player had a series to remember as he hit 600 with two home runs, two doubles, and seven RBIs against the Marlins in the NLDS. Who is this player? Okay, so there's multiple players who had a pretty good series there. I want to say, I'm going to go with one of the two. I want to say Travis Darnell. That is correct. You're on a roll, my friend. That is two for two in this round. And what? Five in a row, I believe? All right, let's move on to the final question. Let's see if we can get a back-to-back -back sweep here. During the entire series between the Padres and Dodgers, the Pods just hit two home runs, one being from Manny Machado, who was the other. Okay, so Tatis had the home run robbed. Yes. But I believe he hit another one. Is that correct? That is incorrect. It was Eric ah. Hosmer in that same game that put them in that spot to almost take the lead until Bellinger robbed him. All right, still a good round. You earned three points on that one after getting questions one and two correct. All right, well, first I'm giving you the championship series round questions. Starting off easy. The Tampa Bay Rays blew a 3-0 lead to the Houston Astros in the ALCS but managed to win in Game 7. Who was the winning pitcher for the Rays in Game 7? Charlie Morton. There you go. Now, moving on, medium. 
This Braves pitcher made his first major league start in Game 5 of the NLCS. He threw three scoreless innings, striking out seven. Braves pitcher? Yep. I wanted to say Bryce Wilson, but it wasn't his first start. It was A.J. Pinter? There you go. Okay. All right, reliever. All right, that's okay. Um, all right, yes, next one. All right, hard one, but I don't know if it's going to be hard for you. Rays catcher Mike Zanino slugged 6-11 in the ALCS. How many home runs did he hit in the series? I just flooded myself. Okay, he hit the one off the colors, and then he hit the one, I forget who was off, it's left field. I'm going to say two. two. That is correct. <laughs> okay. All right, I wasn't as confident. Another sweep. Okay. Moving on to the next round. World Series now. For the Dodgers, this was their first World Series since when? World Series win since when? Uh, I feel like 1988 is the number that jumps in. On the dot versus the Oakland Athletics. Alrighty, number two now. Randy Rosarena and Brandon Lau led the way in the home run column for the Rays. They each left the yard twice in the World Series. Only two other Rays left the yard in the entire series. Can you name one of those two players? Hunter Renfro. New Red Sox, your boy, you got it. All right, two for two, you're on a roll right here. All right, this one's difficult. The World Series MVP, Corey Seager, led all Dodgers position players in win probability added during the series at .63. Can you name number two? For the Dodgers, oh man, I wanna say, I wanna say Mookie Betts, that's my guess. That was my guess as well. He was at .01, but surprisingly, it was Jock Peterson at .25, which was interesting to me. Did hit a couple of big home runs. So, all right, a good round for you right there. Two out of three. All right, so now this next round is a very special one. I'm going to be very disappointed if you don't get some of these. This is the Matanzerist 2020 trivia question. This might be your chance to come back on me here. Easy question. First one, who was the first ever guest on Matanzerist? Drew Buter. There you go. Easy one on the dot there. Medium, on the second ever episode of Matanzerus, I told you that this player was my favorite designated hitter of all time. Billy Butler. There you go. You got a good memory there. And hard one here. I correctly predicted that Mookie Betts would hit a home run off a left-handed pitcher in the World Series. Which Rays pitcher did Betts homer off of? Josh Fleming. There you go. Wow. I don't know how I remembered that. But okay, all right, all right. I'm happy because I take a lot of pride in this show, and if I had a goose egg on that one, I probably would have to leave. All right, earlier this month, James McCann signed a forty or a deal with the New York Mets worth $40.6 million in total. How many years is McCann under contract for? Four years. Uh-huh, there we go, perfect. All right, starting pitchers were hot at the beginning of the season in the market. Several of the first moves were involving starting pitchers in terms of free agency. The Royals signed the first position player this year. Can you name that player? The first position player. Oh, man. I know they signed Carlos Santana, but he was not the first one. Good. You, you, you passed the trick. It is, it is Michael A. Taylor. There we go. Two for two. All right. I love it. Next question. Three starting pitchers received AL MVP votes this year. Cy Young winner, Shane Bieber, and Cy Young finalist, Hinjin Ryu, were two of the three. Can you name the other player from the AL Central? 
Dallas Keiko for the White Sox. And you got a sweep. Three, four, three. We could tally up three more on your point total. All right, so that wraps up all 30 combined questions between Ryan and I here. If you guys were not counting score at home, let's take a recap and look back who won this bad boy. So the round started off with the 2020 offseason questions asked to me by Ryan, in which I got one correct, the Felix Hernandez question correct for one point. Ryan, while he answered one correct as well, got the two-pointer right, giving him a 2-1 lead through one round. Second round, I got the opening day questions from Ryan. I got questions one and two right, worth three points in total. And Ryan, with the midseason questions from me, got six points in total to extend his lead to eight to four. All right, moving on to the third round. We had the wild card questions asked to me from Ryan. I got my first sweep of the night, giving me six points, bringing me back into this one. Ryan stayed steady, three points as well, answering questions one and two for the division round, keeping a slim lead for him at this point, 11 to 10. The next round, round four, the championship series questions to me. I swept once again, getting six points. Ryan would answer questions one and two correctly in the World Series questions, giving him three points. This would give me my first lead of the evening at 16 to 14. The last round, this one was the decider here. We had the Matanzas questions aimed at me. I got the sweep for six points. Ryan got the 2020 offseason questions. He would sweep as well, giving him him six points. And the final score, Ryan, was 22 to 20 me. So I am victorious here in the first annual Matanzas trivia. I'm glad it was a close one. I can't wait for the next one here. I, I you're, you're great competition, so I can't wait to challenge you again. It's an honor to beat you. All right, that's going to wrap up the show today. We thank you guys so much for tuning in here to Matanzas. As we have been this entire offseason, we will continue to put out podcasts on the Apple Podcast app, the Spotify Podcast app, to bring you all the baseball news information and analysis that you need to know. We have a little bit of fun as well. We hope you have a good morning, afternoon, night, week, month, whatever it may be. We always appreciate it. We'll catch you guys next time. Thank you for listening to Matanzas. Now.